This is Film Joints, everybody. For those that does not know, we are Film Joints. So what we do basically is uh, help ourselves as filmmakers and also promote short films. So the essence for um, Film Joints is to premiere, promote and distribute good short films, not just any kind of short films. So we have a good intention towards what we are trying to build or what we are building. and. Part of what we are doing as a build-up to our intention is to create a very good conversation concerning films generally so that we can we can have this um, close community, so to say, and get to know each other, get to know um, ourselves, talk about films, our challenges, how to grow, how to make it better. because. In this part of the world, we all believe that short film basically is just made to just uh, show what we can do and not necessarily uh, a good potential to make money from. So if I make a short film, for instance, I'm making it because I'm looking forward to getting one uh, big contract from one production house or get a producer to see me and contract me to do a feature film or just um, to send to festival or just to show that, okay, I can do something or just to experiment, so to say. So different people do different, do short film for different purposes. But for we film joints, we want to be very intentional. Uh, for me, for instance, I'm like, it's not just about just doing for doing sake or doing to prove myself. No, I don't just want to do to prove myself. I want to do and make money from it. <laughs> so that is the intention of Film Joint and we hope and believe that by God's grace we are going to get there. We are going to get to that stage where uh, we would make short films, good short films, and we would have studios like Netflix, Amazon, maybe TV platform, DSTV and the likes pay to buy those films or rent those films for a particular period of time and not just being concentrated on short films. In fact, to the extent where we would even have this short film being heard in the cinema. So take for instance, having combination of um, different short films, maybe with the same thing, being on, in the cinema. Like I, I, I think personally, I think it's going to be a plus and a very good um, achievement for short filmmakers and filmmakers generally. But. Some people will still doubt that it is possible, but we are just finger crossed and hoping that magic happens. Like um, there's a saying that those it always seems impossible until it's done. Exactly. You know, we've we've had um, a lot of naysayers in the business. There was a time. Um, permit me to digress, but there was a time. A lot of people thought, oh, comedy was the way forward. Comedy was the only way you could make money mm. as regards um, films uh, at the cinemas. Yes. But look at what's happening now. You know, you're having different genres coming to the fore. There's, there's action, there's drama, there's thriller, there's horror. You know, everyone has their market. It's just the, the most important thing is starting, having a good story. Yes. Uh, making sure that your production value is standard yes and everything is done well and you'll find your market exactly 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 you know i mean who, who would have thought that um the likes of netflix um, amazon prime i hear hulu also wants to establish itself in nigeria who would have thought maybe like five ten years you know prior that this this kind of collaborations would be possible you know they probably say oh, no um, they don't see us as um, worthy enough to come around, but look at us, they're establishing here. So, so yeah, I believe everything is possible. We just keep, we just need to keep pushing and um, finding, finding the right tribe. Exactly, exactly. I believe, you know, I believe that, I believe that we're, we're talented enough. We've got what it takes to actually you know, make those things happen. But it's just as it is, the right connections. And I believe, you know, it's, this is the year for such events to happen. Exactly. So yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited. I'm very enthusiastic. I'm very, I'm very optimistic about the possibilities of um, gatherings like this. Oh wow! I'm happy. I'm happy to. I'm happy you're sharing this same um, perspective. 
because um, he's a very he's a very good in fact our shoulders are raised so ladies and gentlemen <laughs> we have Aisha here so um I'll do us the favor of um, the guests I'll do the guests the favor of introducing themselves so that it's not very as if I'm overhyping them so maybe let me start with you Mr. Shion just um, tell us ah. the bit about yourself <laughs> I thought it was ladies first, so we need to respect that. You <laughs> <laughs> read the ladies first, we were gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Asha, do you mind? Sean, that was your way of deflecting, right? <laughs> nice. No, no, it's, it's no, 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 don't worry. We're in Africa. Don't worry. You be the man. Take charge. Ah. I'm okay. <laughs> no, uh, you see that I had to ask for permission first. I, I'm not... Um, one of those staunch patriarchs. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very liberal, so maybe I, I have to acknowledge the fact that there's a lady in the house and because the same ladies first. Mm-hmm. But since you want me to go ahead, it's fine. At least I've got the permission from you, so we're good to go. <laughs> hey, uh, good evening, everyone. My name is Shion Kentebe. Um, I'm an actor primarily, but I'm also um, a model, a scriptwriter, a compare, and a businessman. And I've been in the industry for quite a while. <laughs> let, let me put it that way. I've been in the industry for a while, and um, I'm I'm still in the business. I'm still growing, as it were. But um, I, I believe that I've um, established myself to a point where um, I'm privy to such gatherings, and I'm looking forward to having a, a lovely session and also, you know, things that transpire from this particular space and beyond. Great. Over to you, Ma. Uh, Aisha Adams. Okay, so how do I talk this um, in the introduction now? Eh? Let's just say my name is Aisha Adams. I'm a therapist and I'm here to learn. Right? Ah, just no, because I have already taken over. What do I want to say that I want to talk what he no. said? And if I talk it, they'll say that I'm doing women women no, no, power. No, no, so let's no, not no, 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 not at all. No, please, please blow your trumpet. It's allowed. Please, please. <laughs> Okay, so hi everyone. My name is Aisha Adams. I'm a trauma recovery therapist. I'm a writer, a filmmaker, a coach, a community development expert, a public speaker, and an author of a number of books. Um, Yeah, and I'm quite passionate about um, emotional and mental wellness for people across both. Sweet, sweet. Oh, great, awesome. So, um, the next question I was going to ask would have um, started with uh, Mr. Shion, but since um, we are with you, Aisha, I would I, I'm just curious to know why therapist, why the line of what you do, like, why it? Okay, so <laughs> why therapy? Hmm, interesting. I think my journey into therapy was a personal journey. So I happened to experience some traumatic life events. And being someone who likes to be very real with herself, I decided to not just wing it like most people would. I decided to um, heal from what it was that I was going through at the time. And that was how I ventured into I think if I backtrack, I actually had been in the mental health space for a longer time because I'd had to live with um, a spouse who had mental health issues that were unchecked. And so that was actually my introduction into mental health. But being someone who doesn't just like to experience problems without solutions, I decided to find the solutions for myself. So it was in me trying to sought myself out that I ventured into um, the therapy space. And as I healed from my own trauma, I I started to, you know how the moment you decide that you want to buy a Lexus Jeep, 
is the moment you will start to notice a lot of people driving Lexus Jeep. So the moment I started to heal from my own trauma, I then started to notice that there was a huge burden of trauma around me. And it was just mind blowing how people were internalizing a lot of pain and not addressing it, especially under the guise of we are Africans, you know, we're hard, we're strong. Mm. And so I wanted to become, I like to do things that are needed. Like, so I like to work in spaces where I feel there's a need. And so the therapy space became a, a thing for me because I wanted to see a progressive society. I wanted a society where we were more in sync with ourselves than um, at loggerheads with ourselves. Do you get so? That's why I ventured into therapy. Oh, wow. Great. Great. Oh. What about you, Mr. Shun? Why, why acting? Why acting? Ah. I like to, I know this may sound cliche, but I didn't actually choose this profession. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> you know, it, I, I would say it chose me. I know it sounds cliche, but then there's a story to it. So, um, early 2000s, um, there was a group, um, Cypress Associates. It was run by Kaede Peters and Biola Aloba at the time. This was during our undergraduate days. And the, the lady, there was a lady I was dating at the time and a friend of mine who told me about the group and said, let's audition for this group. Back then, I was even into music. Wow. You know, I was more of a rapper back in the day. So we okay, well, okay, no problem. Let's try it out. Where for the audition? We failed it miserably. But Biola said there was something about me that stood out, the fact that I could rap. And then he said, Oh, we had um, close ties with LD of Tribesmen at, at the time. So for me it was an in-role. Like, okay, fine, no problem. Let me join this group at this role. It'll, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a path to my dream where I get to meet LD, I get signed by Tribe Records and the like. And I got um, trained in the art of statecraft. And then mm. I started out as a stage manager. Now, what led to my debut as an actor was a week to a particular stage performance, the lead actor traveled out of Lagos and by some miscalculation realized that he won't be back until the week after the production. Oh wow. You know, so we now had to look for an actor to fill that space. And it was the lead role. We auditioned mm. countless people. The actor couldn't get what he wanted. I couldn't get what I wanted. So the actor said, okay, you know what? Since you're the stage manager, you own the production, you have to stand in for the actor. Mm. And I was like, ah, but I've never acted before in my life. How am I going to? Well, okay, I've never acted professionally in my life because I remember there was a play I did in uh, primary school at the time, The Incorruptible Judge. Even that one was more like a uh, random selection. Yeah, show you come and play this, you come and play this. So it wasn't professionally done. So, you know, now I'm being faced with having to be professional about it. And the director said, show you don't have a choice. You have to learn the lines, you have to get into character, and you have to deliver. So I had less than a week to get my lines, I had less than a week to get into character. Mm. And, and I remember burning midnight oil for days. And then on the day of the performance itself, I was shaking to my shoes. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I'm asking the director, how am I going to face this? People? I said, chill, just remember everything you, you learned during the training and apply it. So it became like autopilot for me. Mm. I just got on set and I just did as I was trained. Oh. You know, having to go through, having to block my mind through a lot of booing and cat calls and a lot of ad libs because of the audience. And after the first show, I felt like a failure. Mm. Yeah, everybody said, oh, you did a good job. And I was like, ah, you're saying I did a good job. You heard what the audience said and everything. And then the mm. irony was when the prefect now said, okay, the, because it was, it was done in Queen's College at the time. And the prefect said, okay, 
you guys can go backstage and get autographs from your favorite actors. And then there was like a tsunami rush. And then these young girls were coming up to me and saying, oh, we love what you do, we love what you do. Can you sign an autograph? And I'm thinking, ah, are these not the same people that booed me, that, you know, that ridiculed me on stage? <laughs> you know? And then from there, it, it just kind of stuck. So we were doing performance after performance. And with each performance, I, I got better at it. And then from stage, we moved to TV, which um, marked my debut on, on TV with um, Twilight Zone at the time. And the rest they say is history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow! Wow! Nice! Nice! So uh, that is that was that was quite interesting. To see, you really come a long way. Like I've known you before I known you actually. By that uh-huh. I mean I've known you before I met you, and you are actually um, someone that I usually look up to in in a very good sense and in fact that one is a discussion for another day but <laughs> i'm just glad that you are here with us and we are doing this together so today we're actually discussing coping with depression as an actor when i share this topic i received a little lot of i received some kind of feedback that i started asking myself like this feedback wasn't what i was expecting so it's 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 more like it seems deeper than I actually envisioned, kind of, because um, for me, coming as a director, uh, before now, I've experienced I've experienced quite a number of situations where on sets and after sets um, with actors, they have, after enacting some kind of rule. So personally, I started from stage. So like, I can, I can talk from now to tomorrow about experiences in terms of um, what actors have gone through in terms of the kind of role they enacted and the after effect of those roles. So it's a very, it has been a very strong question for me for a very, very long time, which brings me to the ideology um, of, of, of saying that um, directors are psychic detectors because you must be able to understand psychology and understand um, when your actor is being maybe too emotionally attached or is going away or something is not just right and which brings me again to the question do actors need a therapy but we'll come to that we'll come to that i have my friend colleague and brother and senior boss here don which i like i mentioned earlier is supposed to do most of the talking and asking of questions so don, i don't know if where you are right now, you will be able to talk and ask questions. But basically, we'll be doing this together. Hello, Don. Welcome aboard. Okay, yeah, thank, yeah. You very much. thank you very much, Thank you very much, Um, Thank you guys for being here. Uh, this topic, I was looking forward to this topic because it's a topic that I personally like kind of shy away from. Not because I'm an actor, but just the idea of depression and therapy and all those kind of things, you know. I always try to run away from it. And and I think personally, I think it's because of our culture. I think it's, it's because of the way in this part of the world. And also, in fact, for men specifically, you know, we are not told, we are told to not feel depressed. You know, it's almost like a scene that you are, like, that you are depressed. And you know, talking about coping with depression as an actor, you know, that's, that's another, you know, very major topic that I think that we don't really discuss about. So, um, welcome our two celebrity guests. Yes, uh, Miss Aisha and our, our honorable Mr. Shane. You know, honorable, I Don't give him the wrong impression. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honorable, honorable. I understand. Honorable. Ah, yes, big yes. are you too? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Yeah. So um, yeah. So let's let's dive in. I can see that some people have requested uh, to speak, but at the end of the session, we we'll give everyone a chance to talk and ask questions. So, but well, now we just want to like get our guests to talk and get into yeah specifically. So I think Binga has asked you guys the you know what they say the simple questions. Now we are going into the you know tough questions. It's an awkward. <laughs> So, um, I mean, coping with depression as an actor, you know, like I said earlier on, like, 
the idea of depression because it feels very foreign to us here. You know? Like you're depressed, why are you depressed? And even as an actor, you ask yourself, why are you depressed? What is it that causes, causes that depression? So, and this question is directed to uh, Mr. Kishore, that what do you think uh, is the common thing that kind of makes actors go into depression? Okay, so from an actor's perspective, um, it's it's of how do I put it? It's a double-edged sword. Double-edged in the sense that an actor can get depressed on the job, and an actor can get depressed when he's out of a job or when he doesn't have a job. Mm. Mm. Now, for the most part, um, especially in this this um, our own our shows, what I what I realized that causes what triggers depression for a lot of actors here is the fact is lack of jobs, lack of getting jobs. Mm. So, as social media has also quote and unquote played a major role in that um, situation. You know, you, you have a situation where, or you have situations where your colleagues are posting pictures, you know, on set and everything, and you're probably at home, and maybe you worked like a month or two ago. Mm. You know, there's there's no cash flow, and yeah. you're seeing your, your colleagues, you're putting back back set pictures. It's enough to put you in that state. Because what comes, and another thing is, depression is a, is a mental disorder. Which which um, come which stems from feeding on negative thoughts, mm. you know. So those kind of thoughts creep in. Uh, why is this guy or why is this girl getting more jobs? Is it that mm. I'm not good enough? Mm. Sorry, yo, is depression a mental disorder? Or mm. <laughs> because there are different kinds of depression. No, we need to be we need to backtrack. I was actually going yes, to say this earlier because I think we should start by clearly defining what depression is in layman terms before we then take it into the condition. Because it's not um, every depressive situation that is a condition. Jiget, it's not everything that is a disorder. Okay. So I needed to quickly correct that because he said it's a disorder. A disorder is major. But a person yeah. can be can can be depressed without necessarily having clinical depression. Do you get? True. Of course, I know that there are three types. I think there's the mild, there's the moderate, and then there's the severe. Okay. Okay. But I mean, in in general, I I think um, I think it's, it's, it's necessary to point that out. You know, the truth is that I wasn't really sure about uh, whether there's some kind of clinical depression or what what not. Really, personally, I'll just say I shy away from anything depression. You know, once depression faces me, I punch it. It's whatever I want to say. <laughs> but 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 yeah, it yeah, isn't to be punched in the face. That's the thing. You yeah, see, the reality is that. But that's it. The reality is that we will feel depressed from time to time. Life happens to everyone. Yeah. So if if we were to use um, simple terms to define this, depression is literally like. Um, an instability in your emotions. Do you understand? Like yeah. a, a, a peak in your emotions. It goes on a low. You are not in the high spirit you are normally in. And this could be for a number of re- reasons, depending on what kind of depression it really is. Do you understand? So um, I just wanted us to understand that depression could mean different things, right? But every one of us, every human being, um, experiences depressive state from time to time, either because of a traumatic life event. It's just like when I say I'm a trauma recovery therapist and people will be like, oh, trauma, it's such a big word. It's just a um, big, um, what's the name, word for sad events. That's what trauma is, something that shakes you to your core. It could be like an accident that happened in front of you. It could be um, just a knife cutting you and you become apprehensive of using knives sharp knives it could be um bullying you know simple things that people don't pay attention to the widespread discussions around mental health and the stigma that has been attached to it a lot of people just shy away from having um miss aisha i, I think your network is breaking 
um, Mr. Shino, I think I'll get back to that question with you. I think what we should first do is just to kind of, um, you know, really break down the whole concept of uh, depression. I think, um, I think Ms. Aisha was already doing that. I think she should, you know, probably expatriate on it. For those who know me, I like to always simplify things. I just, okay. like I said earlier, right, the, um, yeah. anybody could experience depression, right? Um, yeah. I could get depressed because um, I failed an exam. Do you understand? Um, I could get depressed because my neighbor had an accident and they lost something important. And you're wondering how come you're depressed? People can get depressed by association. They can get depressed because something traumatic happened to them. It could be because of a value of theirs was um, was um, violated. You know, they have a value system that was violated. E.g., maybe. I'm a family-oriented person and I got separated from my family for a reason that I could not help. It could make me become depressed. Do you understand? Like, like, like I said, it's just like me using the word trauma. When I say trauma, a lot of the time, people will be like, oh, that is major. But trauma is relative. So depression is, is relative. It is person-dependent. And like um, Sean said earlier, yes, it, it, an actor can get depressed because they do not have a job but is that the real only reason maybe not maybe there are many other things that contribute to the um to them becoming depressed like having depressive um, disorders later on do you get what i'm saying so a lot of the time um the word depression is used flippantly but it's just a simple term to say i am in a low state it's just like an imbalance in your emotions and you are now on a low and you need support for you to be classified as having um, depression, there needs to be certain factors, one of which will be that probably you have been held, held up in your house for like maybe two weeks without stepping out. It, it will be that perhaps you're not eating, you're not taking your bath, you're not um, you're not willing to have any contact with people. Um, when I start to see a few of those, there are a couple of you know symptoms that would arise before I can say that someone is experiencing depression. But the word depression is often flippantly used to mean they are in a sad state. And a person in a very sad state could actually still be in a state of depression. I hope that clarifies it. But there's, there's something you said earlier on that uh, I'd like for you to expand on. You said someone can be depressed by association. Yes, so <laughs> um, a person can get traumatized and then become depressed because of something that happened to a friend of theirs um from my work with people i i once worked with a client when when we were trying to trace the history of trauma it happened to be something the person witnessed so the person witnessed their neighbor being assaulted and because of that they became very wary of people that had a certain stature so the moment they see someone of that stature they start to get scared and from that they they I don't, they slipped into depression slowly without realizing do you understand so uh, by association is like something happened to someone around them and wow. it affected their own emotions even deeper than the person that it affected yeah. do you understand okay right. thank you thank you for that Wow, this is uh man, you can I can like see the huge perspective to the whole concept of depression right now. And I think you know um you already talked about aspect looking at the mainstream industry, I think some things are already enough for it to get depressed, you know. Uh you already giving us some perspective. I mean in terms of being an actor and some of the things that you kind of go through that could actually lead to depression. Okay. Maybe you can talk more about that. And there's also the perspective, which I feel like is something that my mother talked about, is the psychological effect that taking some role might have on people. So I don't know, maybe you have examples or experiences that you can even give us insight on, on how, for example, a particular role could have affected you psychologically and uh, something, you know. I, I think, you know, we've had examples like I don't know about yeah, the, and how 
used method the points were even yeah yes yeah. mad so i'm pretty sure it happened here don't talk about it. so i don't know if you can give me some you know, okay so i think for me what um has helped fortify my my mental state is the background i have in theater Okay. where it's hard work to build a character mm. to a certain point and then you leave the character for a period for an extended period and then want to show it over it's hard work again to dissociate yourself from that character mm. you know? yeah now now a, a lot of times you also come across actors who at the risk of sounding controversial have little or no identity before they step into a particular role. Mm. And then people yeah. love them for that role and they feel, oh, okay, so since they love this character, I might as well be this character. Mm. <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm making sense. So you're, yeah. you're taking you're, so you're taking on the persona of that role, good and bad things, and you've become that character such so that you're not even yourself anymore. Mm. And then you now find yourself in a, in a situation whereby people, you, you know, you people are trying to figure out what's going on with you. You're not, maybe the character, maybe you play the villain that people like. And then maybe you're at the mall or something and some people walk up to you and you're busy and you're just, you know, aloof. You're, you're proud the way you, you know, you're not friendly, basically. And then what goes wrong? And then it affects you because you're, you're, you're starting to think, ah, I thought people liked me because of this character. Why are they now being this way? And then that puts you in, 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 a, in a sort of state as well, because you're now thinking, oh, that means people don't really like me. Hmm. You know? Now, I've, I've been in a situation where I, I played a dual character, and for a week, I had to be indoors because the character was basically, quote unquote, demonic. Also, there was a certain mannerism, there was a certain characteristic that I adopted. There was a certain speech pattern that I adopted. And even though we, we were set for basically, what, two to three days, it took me at least a week to shed that character off. Mm. Now, we realize that even method acting is being frowned upon these days, even in, even in Hollywood. <laughs> I, I don't think we do half of what they do over there. You know, sometimes they go through a lot of um, body transformations. Mm. That in that in itself has takes its toll on the mind. Mm. Um, Heath, Heath Ledger, Christian Bale is someone who I think has mastered the art of slipping in and out of characters and still retaining his humanity, as it were. We didn't have, unfortunately, um, Heath Ledger didn't survived that we saw how that ended with him he played the character so well that it led him to being depressed and well god rest his soul yeah. so yes to answer your initial question actors do need therapy there are those who are mentally strong enough mentally fortified enough to get out of said characters and go back to their normal self there are those who need help mm. but these conversations are things that are not hard like you mentioned earlier on, culture. We've been yeah. raised, especially the men folk, we've been raised to be the strong, silent type. Pack it all in. You, you don't show emotion as a man. You're not supposed to express yourself as a man. Mm. You know, and, mm. that has put, and that has put a lot of male folk in some serious trouble. So when people fall into depression, when people are suicidal, you think, oh, it's, it's them being weak. Well, yes, to an extent, it's them being weak, which is, you know, what alludes to the fact of them needing help. No, they are not weak by being, I am sorry, but <laughs> they are no. not weak by getting into depression. Their body is just telling them that they need to care for it more. Yeah, their body is telling them they need to care for it more. But the, the, the point is, what I'm trying to bring out, at that point in time, they're being fed, they're, they're, they're being fed negative thoughts. That they that they can't wriggle themselves out of. So at that point, I'm not I'm not saying they're weak 
it's just in the context of the situation at that point you know they they fall in prey to their negative thoughts so there's there's that weakness there's that helplessness that goes with that um, situation that but at, at, at that point in time how many of them are actually um strong enough to say okay you know what i need help based on where they found themselves in society where if they actually reach out to someone to say, oh boy, I need help, I need to talk to someone. The person would be either too busy or the person is ridiculing them, which puts them in another mm. helpless state. True. You know, so these are the kind of conversations we need to have. I need, uh, permit me to digress a bit. Um, it's like the issue of insurance. And this also yeah. goes back, this also goes back to culture and um, religion as it were. Where someone tries to yeah. sell you insurance and the the marketing ploy is you have to save for the future, for when you're not around, you're saving for your generations unborn. And the next question a potential client is asking you is, oh, so you're saying I'm going to die anytime soon. You know, there's already that defense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so it's you know, it's in such situations we find ourselves where you're not allowed to speak because you're seen as you're, you're perceived as weak. And over time, we've come to imbibe that mindset. That, oh, I can't talk to this person about my situation because there's nothing, there's little or nothing they can do for me. So whether I like it or not, I'm trapped in this situation. And then, when you find yourself in that space, it's it's a very very dangerous space because more often than not, it leads to suicide. So perhaps the conversation we should start having is that we need to make people understand that to be human is to experience down um, highs and lows. Because yeah. I think we have we have this perception of life. Like the only um, thing to life is joy. Mm. And the moment we feel sorrow or the moment we experience a level of failure in any shape or form, it is something to be shamed about. There is a huge burden of shame in Africa, and um, honestly, I feel like we need to really start to demystify this because we need to have more conversations about everything we shame people about. True. The shaming around um, not having a job as an actor, the shaming around um, asking for help in any shape or form, the shaming around. Um, Telling someone that you are not emotionally stable, the shaming around just being human is just irritatingly mind-blowing. Like, because every human being experiences low, even the person shaming you just mm. cried inside their room before they stepped out. Exactly. But you don't know that. So perhaps what it is is that we all now need to take a stand and say, I am no longer going to give anybody the permission to make me feel less human mm. because to be human is to suffer mm. to be human is to feel pain and to be human is to feel joy too exactly. we have come to normalize feeling joy as opposed to feeling pain mm. and now let's bring it to the acting or the creative space generally the the creative space is it, it can be very it can be a very lonely space and, and so actors, creatives generally tend to have tendencies of experiencing imbalance in their mental state. But, you know, because of this hush-hush society of we cannot complain about being weak, everybody then says, oh, they now put it on that. They only show us the happiness they feel. They no, nobody shows us the rough side or the downside. And so... When someone is brave enough or courageous enough to talk about their pain, people shame them even. Like, imagine the lady who comes out and says, oh, you know what, I have been, um, I have experienced um, sexual assault because of my job as an actor. People will shame you. Mm. Someone comes out and says, oh, this has happened to you, they'll shame you. So now the question is, do you keep hiding because of the shame? Or do you take a stance to be part of the people who change the status quo? Because I feel that that's where the conversation should go. But for you to even change the status quo, you need to um, have invested well in yourself. Yeah, exactly. 
you know yeah. and part of that is that we don't even invest in our health and that's what then makes it very easy for us when challenges come that we're not able to because if you not built the foundation of your house properly of course anything called anything that comes will come at it and it would drag it down exactly. you know so now investing thank thank you for mentioning that investing in uh health because that is actually the direction that um this topic is actually to uh, meant to go towards i read some of our comments i'll read some of our comments right now and which will bring me to the context of this discussion in terms of coping with depression so the idea is the the the, the, the context of this depression of this topic is basically the after effects of a role you played in a movie like how you can portray a particular character and then it leads you into a depression like somebody was even telling me yesterday that one of our very notable actors in the industry he, he he played a role in one one of these netflix series that we all know i won't go too much into details and after the experience he went back home after the production and all that and he had an encounter that made him um react negatively to his wife as a result of that role he played mm-hmm. so which means like it's more like the after effect of that role he played in that movie was still with him which brings me to the question do actors really need therapies and i'm glad you mentioned uh, mr sean you already stated that yes actors do need therapies but again can they afford a therapist uh-huh. which will bring me to you aisha because you are actually mm-hmm. a therapist yes because if actors really need therapies now how can they afford therapies how can they afford the therapies or how how, how can they um infuse it in their contract or how can they how or how can we make it a, how can we make it mandatory to be part of um a production like the necessity an actor must go to especially when playing a specific character that may be detrimental to that actor's health or well-being or what and what not so aisha i'm coming to you now if we say mm-hmm. actors need therapists you're a therapist and you know how expensive this is this is it really expensive is it really expensive because you know coming to our nigeria contest mm-hmm. now in this part of the world we are trying okay. to invite or build that culture so how can we make so, it easy for ourselves and also introduce it in filmmaking. I don't know if so, you get So an actor will mm-hmm. probably charge how much for a role? They will charge an arm and a leg and some more. You see, when you are charging that arm and a leg, eh? Just put a portion of the arm and leg aside for the therapist so that the therapist can even eat some some flesh. But on a more serious note, um, I hear people say that therapy is expensive, but the question is, what is the cost of your peace of mind? Because you see, you don't complain when you have to buy a Dolce and Gabbana bag that is luxury. You don't complain when you need to buy an iPhone 20, whatever iPhone it is right now. You see it as necessary. But what is even more necessary is your peace of mind, is your sanity. But a lot of people are not willing to, you know, invest in it. If you come to me, for example, you can get a therapy session for as, as little as, as 50,000 Naira. And we have discount sales. Hold on, hold on, hold on. We have discount sales from time to time. In fact, right now, we're running a discount at 50%. And so for like 25,000 Naira, you can actually get therapy session. So the reality is that how badly do you need your mental state to be stable? that is the real question because people would invest in spending time in on uh, or money on things that are not exactly valuable to their person mm-hmm. but they are not willing to invest in that which would make the foundation of their house solid it goes back to the conversation about the house so how much do you value your peace of mind how much do you value and and honestly for everybody on the call even if you are not a creative or an actor the truth is that everybody needs therapy we all need to decompress like life is stressful enough we all have pockets of moments where life will shake us to our roots and we don't want to tell family because we don't want to be laughed at 
we don't want to tell and what therapy affords you is a non-judgmental space where you can air everything that is going on in your mind and be rest assured that your secret is safe and that your um your peace of mind is guaranteed because you get the outlets for your emotions because like i often say we are a pack of oscillating emotions and what really um, unsettles um, people generally is the fact that they need somewhere to decompress and more importantly for an actor so i would say that um perhaps in future for actors or any creative here make sure when you're signing a contract that you request that a therapist is on the set honestly um for filmmakers here you should make it a part of your set uh, protocol and why do i say that i remember there was a set i was on i was on that set as a script supervisor if i remember correctly or i was an i was the co-director something i was on it as either a script supervisor or a co-director and somebody literally had a, a, a panic attack and it was just a good thing that i was a therapist on that set and i was able to manage the situation now what i worried about when i left that set was what would have happened to the person who had that attack if i was not on set so you see um first of all is you know understanding that therapy is, is important for everybody and we shouldn't really look at the cost and it's not as expensive as we think it is hence why i made the um like you can get for as low as twenty-five thousand naira. come on and yeah, sorry, sorry permit, permit me to say this but i think hollywood has also played a role in making um therapy seem very expensive you see these films where they also and i think some hollywood some non-wood films too are guilty of that where you, you hear that they charge by the hour and you know all these swanky offices always made to look like yes we charge by the hour but the hour is affordable that's what i'm saying yeah but the, thing, the hour the thing, is affordable yes but the information needs to get out there these things need to be demystified otherwise no one is going to believe that therapy is as reasonable as 50k or as 25 like you just said so there's a, there needs to be a lot of publicity from your own end as well honestly i would say that i am doing my best because if you go on my page like i i I'm, I'm, I'm really doing my best to ensure that people understand that therapy is, is a necessity is not luxury and is a part of life and all of that i'm doing my best but i would keep keep at it but i i feel like even the twenty-five thousand and three thousand you're talking about i've had you know creatives reach out to me to say oh you know what i need therapy and then i'll tell them fifty thousand naira. this is somebody that i just saw buying human hair mm. You just bought human hair, that is how much? I don't even know how much they said it, but I know it is very expensive. So if you can afford to buy human hair, come on, you can afford therapy that is just literally 50,000 naira. Yeah. And that is even more important to your person. Definitely. And the thing is that if we really if we really value our mental state, the thing is we, we act as if, you know, our health is just something that we can just trample upon and then it will, it will still be there what you give what you invest is what you get out of your health mm. you invest in in healthy living you invest in in you know therapy you invest in in nutrition you invest in in sleep sleep in healthy practices you will find it there it would serve you and you don't invest in it it would come for you mm. so um if you are not investing in those things and then you're not investing in therapy and then you're not seeking help from from someone you know a friend or something what then are you doing to um, to ensure that you are you are in a good you know state and once you lose your health and that's the thing i always like to uh, mention like once you cross over to moving from a mental sta um, stable state to an a mentally unstable state you are that's it you it's not it's like you know that elastic the moment it cuts tying it back it's never the same again so it's 50,000 naira is it really worth it for you to lose your peace of mind to lose your sanity because you don't want to invest in your health is it, is it really worth it because at the end of the day what you're going to spend in managing it is going to be way more than what you should have spent in just staying in in tune with your with your health so honestly it, it's really affordable it's so, per I, hour yes I shall but, yeah go on, okay. yeah Sorry to cut you. So the thing is, 
we know it's affordable kind of or it's not affordable but in terms of <laughs> the, idea, affordable. The, the notion everybody has out there but coming from let me speak as a producer director point of view in this part of the world we have nigeria the director or the producer is just looking for how to just get his film out there and make money so if if coming as an actor i'm telling this producer that okay let's see for instance as a director as a producer i have 200,000 budgets for you as an actor for you to act in my movie and you're telling me that you can't take that 200,000 naira because um you need to you need to maybe um have a therapist session after the whole project which means the money would increase it might cost me to lose that job that acting gig me what, as what if it is cheaper so, for the for filmmakers to have a therapist on their set how yes, about that so so now that is the area we are going because i want to put this question now to mr shion in terms of like how can we how can we is there any way we can make this possible in terms of um i have a job or i have a gig and i'm bargaining a particular price with a producer or a director and i'm infusing my price of having a therapy session inside that price without losing that job because it's a thing if you tell me that um you have to charge maybe one million because you have to see a therapist or what and whatnot that would look at because it's not conventional here in this part of the world like i have other actors that can easily pick so how do you think we can cope with that especially in this our industry okay so i think one thing we were still trying to find our footing in here is the infrastructure Ideally, an actor is not supposed to negotiate directly with the producer. That's that's why you have agents. That's why you have yes, management yes, teams. Yes. You know, that's why you have entertainment lawyers. These are the people who are supposed to facilitate such clauses. So these things are already, you know, they already worked into your contract. And then, if the producer does not agree, you there has to be a workaround. If you're going to if you if you want me on your set, if you value me enough to be in mm. your project, then you have to you have to provide the um, the structure mm. such that it will favor both parties. Because you don't want you don't want an effective actor on your set. You don't want it, you don't you don't want an actor that will not deliver on your yes. set. And you need your and you need your actor's full commitment, physically and mentally, for mm. the duration of that project and beyond that. Look at what's going on with, um, what's it called? Um, what's this guy? Ezra Miller. Mm-hmm. The problems he's having with um, Warner Brothers. Well, yeah, Warner Brothers. That's causing the delay of the film, um, The Flash. At a point, they, they had written him more. But then they, when they realized, look, this guy is, is important, he's instrumental to the success of this production, they had to find a way around it. 